All right, let's go ahead and get started in our afternoon service. Again, thank you for sticking around for our afternoon service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, inviting his Holy Spirit to join us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, pray that you would speak to our hearts once again. Thank you for what we've already heard this morning. Lord, pray that you would just have your way in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. For our afternoon uh, song today, we'll be singing page 482, Dwelling in Beulah Land. Page 482, we'll be singing all three verses. Appreciate you sticking around for our afternoon service. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Have you ever heard the expression, maybe use this expression, it's my way or the highway? Have you ever said that? When I was a kid, I remember my parents telling me that. I was a teenager. And uh, they said, it's our way or the highway. Basically, they were telling me, 
If you don't like it, leave. <laughs> no matter what you think about it, this is the way it's going to be. Um, well, I happened to be studying First Kings, uh, reading there in verse 12, and this thought came to my, way, my, thought, uh, my heart, my way or the highway? My way or the highway? We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 32. The Bible says, And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, and of the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priest of the high priest which he had made, so he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even the month which he had devised of his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you'll just take this simple thought and this message this morning, apply it to our hearts that we may... Uh, better be servants for thee. Lord, we love you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeroboam, Jeroboam does something here that uh, is, it's really unheard of. It's, uh, uh, but it was, he wanted it his way or the highway. It was going to be done his way. He, didn't, he wasn't going to let anybody else tell him how to do this. He, he appointed himself high priest. Now this was ungodly. This was not the way it's supposed to be. This was a really a low down, dirt and dirty, rotten thing to do. And uh, but he again, he wanted it his way. And as I look at these verses, some things jumped out at me. He said some things in order in which are unbiblical, unscriptural. And uh, let me just say that when we want to do things our way, it's probably not going to be biblical. Why? Because we're still of the flesh and oftentimes we have these fleshly desires and we want to look to our own ways more than God's ways. And I want, to, I want you to notice three or four thoughts of these unbiblical ideologies, if you will, when we have this thought, my way or the highway. Number one, notice the unbiblical plan. We see here there's an unbiblical plan, but also we see there's a reason that he had such a ridiculous plan. Look there in verse 27 in 1 Kings 12. It says, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the hearts of this people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall uh, kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah." He needed this unbiblical plan because he wanted it his way. He wanted to do it the way he wanted. He also noticed that he knew that the people would do right and turn back, turn their hearts back to God if they were if they started doing the right thing. If he didn't intervene, he knew that his kingdom was at hand here. And this was uh, this is what you call manipulation. Many folks today are guilty of trying to manipulate people and events to do to better serve their agendas. Notice nothing else matters except establishing their agenda. I think we all witness this when uh, when we hear of shootings. What's the first thing the anti-gun movement want to do? They want to start blaming guns for the matter. 
it's not the guns. I've got guns in my house, okay? If you don't like guns, I'm sorry. I'm not, well, I'm not sorry. I'm going to have guns. It's my right. But anyways, I, I've got guns in my house. Those guns have never killed anyone. Never killed anyone. And barely killed a deer, but... That's only because I think it got scared to death. But anyways, those things have never hurt anyone. You see, it's not the guns. It's the heart. It's the heart of man. And that's, that's right here. That's what I'm talking about here. And manipulate. And what they're doing, the anti-gun rights, what they'll do is they'll say, Oh, it's the gun's fault. It's the gun's fault. It's the gun's No, it's not the gun's fault. It's the wickedness of man. See, nothing else matters except for their fitting their agenda. Christians are guilty well of being the same to compromise on what the Bible says to fit their agenda as well. We go out door knocking. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because it just doesn't work. Does God say go to highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled? Yes, he does. Absolutely sure he does. Then why aren't we doing it? Because we want to fit our own agenda. See, we want what we want. We want to have it our way. And when we want it our way, we'll do things and say things, whatever it takes to fit our unbiblical plans. It's God's plan for us to go out and compel people to come in. But then I want you to notice the unbiblical place. Look there in verse 28 and 29. It says, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem, where God told him to go. But notice this. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Notice the small g gods there. He's given credit to these small g gods. And set the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. This was not the place that God ordained for them to worship and to sacrifice. When we are guilty of having it our way, we're, willing, uh, we're not only willing to uh, sacrifice unbiblical and do unbiblical plans, but we're also willing to do un- go unbiblical places. Let me say this. There are some places that Christians ought not frequent. Amen? There are some places we ought not frequent. The bars and other places of the world should not be a place that a Christian should be seen in. But when we want it our way, we're willing to lower our standard to fit our own desires. Well, doesn't the Bible say that a little wine is good for the belly? This past week, I was notified that a missionary in our fundamental circles has changed his viewpoint on drinking. He now believes, now he wasn't a missionary that we support, but Pastor Ross supported him, and he was the one telling me about this. But uh, uh, this, uh, uh, he now believes it's okay to drink socially. This was a missionary that was out of Crown College. Brother Sexton was notified, and he told him, he says, you need to, they dropped their support, and they told all the, he says, you need to call all the people that support you and tell them your stance on this. If, he says, and we're sending the letter too. See, a strong conservative college. This man was supported by many very conservative churches. Folks, let me just tell you where I stand on this issue. 
Leviticus 10.9 says, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee. Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I believe that it's wrong to drink alcohol beverages socially or insocially, to get drunk or not to get drunk. It takes you, if it takes you ten beers to get drunk and you drink one beer, you're one-tenth drunk. Alcohol destroys lives. I have witnessed it firsthand. That's why I'm very, I'm so dogmatic. I've seen it destroy lives. I've seen it destroy children. I've seen it destroy people. Not just going to the secular places, but I have witnessed people leave a church that preaches against fleshly desires and against worldly appetites and quit trying to fit in with the world. Uh, uh, and they'll go to a church where you can come as you are and leave as you were. There's no conviction, just one of, of love and happiness. But they're okay with this because they can have it their way instead of the Bible way. You can have it your way, but you're not going to have it God's way then. You see, when you have it your way, it involves unbiblical plans and going to unbiblical places. But then also you'll notice there's unbiblical practices. Look there in verse 32 and 33 again. It says, And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month of the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrifice unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priest of the high priest which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which... Uh, he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had uh, devised, uh, devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt off, uh, incense. The feast of Jeroboam was an imitation of the feast of the tabernacles, which God had commanded to be observed in the seventh month. Sometimes our kids like to set up tents in the backyard. I, I remember Faith and Holly's here, so you can pick on them a little bit. But they, they wanted to set up a tent in our backyard one time. And uh, they didn't stay all night back there. I don't know if they got scared or what, but they, they set up tents back there, and, and they, and they want, always wanted to do this. Although they, although they have a very comfortable bed inside, they wanted to... Go outside. Now, I, I don't understand that. I, I just really don't understand that. But the Feast of Tabernacles was established of God as a reminder of their stay in the wilderness. They were to make and put up these temporary tents, so to speak, or booths, and they were to live in these things for seven days. It was intended uh, of God to be a joyous occasion. Kind of like our kids whenever they, they enjoyed it. It was something that they looked forward to. And that's, why, that's, that's kind of what I want you to get your idea wrapped around. That's what, this was set up to be a joyous occasion for the Israelites. The Feast of Tabernacles was a week-long harvest festival. It was, it was also known as the Feast of uh, and Gatherings. It was a final feast of the year and was one of the most important feasts. Now get this, God set it up. God said it was to be the held on the seventh month, but Jeroboam wanted it his way, so he changed God's word and changed what God wanted. What month did it say it was set up in? The eighth month. 
He wanted it his way. Hey, folks, you know what we'll do? We'll do everything we can to make it fit our agendas, make it fit what we want. What does the word say about the heart of man? It's deceitful and not merely just wicked, but it's desperately wicked. Desperately, in the Hebrew means incurable. God does not doctor up the old heart. He gives us a new heart. Why? Because our old heart is incurable. Jeroboam should have listened to Solomon. The Bible says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But before we jump all over Jeroboam for his wicked practice, let us be honest and evaluate our own practices. How many policies and practices have we set up all over Christianity that have been devised of man's own hearts? Jeroboam probably thought it was okay to set up a feast that just happened to look a lot like the Feast of Tabernacles. He must have thought it was okay to change the date for, it, the, for its observance. Let me ask you, is delayed disobedience disobedience? Okay, then obedience time-wise, when one feels like it, is also disobedience. If you tell your children to take a bath and go to bed at 9 o'clock on Tuesday, and he takes a bath at 10 o'clock on Wednesday, is he obedient? I mean, he took a bath, and he took a bath at 10 o'clock the next day. I mean, he... No, he's being disobedient because you told him to take it before 9 o'clock on Tuesday. Although in the child's mind, he both took a bath and went to bed, and in his mind, he may think he obeyed. We're not left to wonder what God thinks of these kinds of things. Look there, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah 7.31 says, And they have built the high places of uh, uh, Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to the burnt, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart. Jeremiah thirty two thirty five says, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the uh, sons of Hinnom, uh, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. See, we do not honor God by serving Him as we see fit. When we see fit, and at a time convenient for us, and in doing the things that we want to do rather than the things that God has commanded us to do. Well, I think it's okay if I give 5% tithe and I go with the other 5% and I buy a good Christian book and I read it. Or I take the other 5% and I give it to another charity. I'm still giving 10%. No, the tenth belongs to the Lord. See, I'll use part of my tithing and, and buy an automobile to use to, to come and back, go back and forth to church. That's a good thing, right? I mean, it's, it's good. You need to have a vehicle, right? After all, I need a car to, do, to go to church. Or I will not tithe on my business because of, on paper I never show a profit. 
Okay. Let's see what God says about it later. I wouldn't want to have to sit beside folks like Jeroboam on that great day. Jeroboam, of course, was an unbeliever, but some of his practices reside even in the hearts of the saved today. I'm just saying it's easy to make an ugly face at Jeroboam, but let's be aware there's a bit of his spirit in all of us today. We want to know what God thoughts about Jeroboam's little private church. If you read the next chapter, you'll find out that Jeroboam ended up with leprosy. Jeroboam said, I will have, I, I will have uh, not have God's priests. I will make my own. And God sent a prophet. 1 Kings 13, 1 says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar of burnt incense. Jeroboam would not have God's priests, so God sent a prophet. You and I ought to thank God for God's men who have the fear of God in their hearts and aren't afraid to cry out against the things that go wrong. Look at what the prophets did. The Bible says in 1 Kings 13 too, it says, And he cried against the altar of the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burnt incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. In the face of the king, the prophet said, Jeroboam, this altar you have built will one day burn the ground and stand, burn to the ground, and your corrupt clergy will end up as ashes. Jeroboam doubled up his fist and, to strike the prophet, but because he wanted it his way. But I'm here to tell you, you may want it your way, but you're not going to have it God's way too. In conclusion, let's. Let's do things God's way. When He says to do them, do them in His way. See, because not just being obedient, but being obedient immediately. We tell our girls when they were growing up, we'd have to tell them that when we tell you to do, it, do something and you do it an hour later, that's not being obedient. When we tell you to do something, you do it right then because that's being obedient, immediate obediency is what we call it. Folks, the same is true about us as, as believers. When God tells us to do something, He isn't saying doing it later down. If He has given us the burden, He has told us the direction, He has told us what to do, we do it immediately. We chastise our children because they don't. Let's search our hearts. How many times has God told us to do something and we failed to do it immediately? Let's do it God's way. When He says to do it and in His way, He says to do them. And we'll reap God's favor and blessings. Isaiah 55, 9, we know this verse. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for this opportunity.
to be in your house, Lord, I know that oftentimes we're guilty of wanting things our way. We're guilty of, of just trying to set our own agendas. God, help us not to say, well, this is what I believe. Help us to be guilty of saying, what does God's word say about it? Because it really ultimately doesn't matter what we think, how we feel. But what matters is what you say about the situation. God, I pray that we would be submissive to your will and obedient to your word. Thank you for what you're going to do. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to play through real quick. And God spoke to your heart. I'm going to open up time of invitation. so much for being here this morning. Hope and pray that God has blessed your heart for being here. Let's all stand. We'll close in a word of prayer. Come back Wednesday night see what the Lord has for us. And uh, Brother Tim Watson, sir, would you close in a word of prayer?